Find your place in the, in the Bible in the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, near the end. If you find James, you're close. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, bring a message to you today and next week. Just calling this little short series, This Is Us. Anybody ever seen that TV show, This Is Us? Anybody? I know there's some women in here addicted to it, right? It's got to be. My wife makes me watch all these sappy things, but... And then I get hooked on them and I feel like a girl, but it's... Um, a good little show just telling the story of a family and all the drama they go through. Um, and it just feels very real, I guess, that idea, that aspect feels very real as, as far as for the for the church. So uh, this is us. If you found your place in Hebrews 10, uh, turn with me, if you will. I'm going to just start us out reading the scripture. So I know you're just settled, but let's read and then you can sit back down. So why don't you stand with me? Hebrews 10. Um, just want to read a, a short section and then uh, you can be seated. We stand like that because we want to honor the word of, of the Lord. So by the way, that's not just my tradition. Um, Jesus did that. So we're just following his example. He stood to, to read from the scriptures and then they sat to teach. So Hebrews 10, look at verse 19 and following. I'm going to focus in especially on verses 24 and 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's uh, let's pray together. Father, we are always thankful for your word. We read from the scriptures because we need to know you. And we know it's in these pages that we can meet you face to face in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us in new ways. Make yourself clear. Also, help us to reorient our lives as followers of Jesus. There's nothing else in this life that matters more. Open our hearts. Change us as you see fit. This is our prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. Does anybody remember the, uh, the song lyrics to the TV show back in the day, Cheers? Anybody remember the, the lyrics to, yeah, I want to go. Was it? How's it go? Wherever. Yes, okay. We've got some folks on the front who remember. Uh, where everybody knows your name. Right, you, re- you remember now, right? What about the theme song to Friends? Anybody remember that one? Yes, that's it. I'll be there for you. So, Leslie, we need to recruit somebody for the worship team. 
Um, all right, I'll be there for you. All right, so these are, these are just contemporary shows, right? But they are expressing something in us that we deeply need. Um, I want to go where everybody knows my name. I'll be there for you. A song called Friends, right? These are, these are contemporary expressions of really a deep spiritual reality, a deep need that we all have. Every one of us needs a people. And it's not just that Jesus has come to make us better friends. That's not the mission. It's much deeper and greater than that. But it certainly is that. So what I wanted us to do um, today and next week is just dig into this text. This one is for today. Dig into this text, sort of dissect it a little bit together. Uh, A little bit more of a Bible study this morning. Just talk about it and think about how this impacts real life. Um, you know, this week our, our church family faced um, a terrible loss. You know, a 34-year-old man to to die suddenly is just well, it's tragic. Um, Tuesday night, our, our little men's softball team was playing and just having a blast, and um, and then somebody came to the fence to give me the news that Philip had passed, and it was like the laughter and joy of a silliness game just immediately changed and there was grief and devastation for real life the pain of real life I think those kinds of moments hit all of us at different times or another those kinds of moments hit with with a a sense of reality and one of the big questions that we all have in those seasons is who who do I have with me here now right now who's who's here who's with me We all feel the weight of loss for this family, a family we dearly loved, now has a huge hole in it. It's kind of surreal that he is gone. I mean, this week I was seeing Philip's picture online, and every time I saw it, I was like, I can't can't believe, I can't believe this. I can't believe he's not here anymore. I want to commend you as a church. You guys have been a beautiful expression of Jesus. I mean, uh, I got to sit with Erin for a few minutes yesterday and just talk details about the funeral. And she was just telling me that, you know, people have cut her grass and somebody's painting a room in her house and people are watching her children. And you've given so much money and, and she's just overwhelmed, overwhelmed because she has people, a family that are with her through devastation And the truth is that we are a family. God has made us a family. Um, And we're we're thicker than um, blood relatives here. Do you you know that? The family of God is is thicker. They they say blood is thicker than water. But the blood of Jesus is thicker than even familial love. Anybody know that? There's something unique that happens when um, you become a part of the family of God and... You, you share life with brothers and sisters. We're linked together by the gospel. His mercy, the mercy of Jesus has covered a multitude of my sins and your sins. And we are blood-bought, mercy-one people who are now living through this life and this journey together. And there's just no bond like that um, on earth. So what I want us to do this morning is just to uh, meditate in these verses 
Um, just a quick dissection of the scripture. So would you, if you've got a little handout, we're going to walk through this together. I want you to look carefully with me at Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 in particular. I'm going to read through it one more time and then we'll go through and just nitpick our way through the passage. Verse 24 and 25. Let us consider, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us. Who is us? Who is us? When, we, when, when the writer of Scripture here says, let us and we and our, all those expressions of a people, who's he talking about? Who is this us? Well, let's look at it in context and maybe you want to make some of these, uh, write some of these down as, as notes. Verse 19 says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So we would say that we are brothers and sisters, right? Bought by the blood of Jesus. This is who the us is. We are purchased by the blood of the lamb and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're family. This is the expression of the writer here. What else does it say? It says that um, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. It's talking about Christ himself. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So the us is a people under the priestly rule of Jesus Christ. He's our priest. He's the one who, who is our mediator. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And he is the one through whom we get to God Almighty. But we share him as a great high priest. Uh, sometimes people call me and they'll, they'll ask for prayer. Hey, Pastor, I really need you to pray. And they think that I've got some kind of like red phone in my office where I can just, you know, get dial God up like I have some direct line. You have the same direct line I have. His name is Jesus, right? Get on your knees, say his name and you're there. He's our high priest. We share him as a priest. What else does the scripture say? Those who have been made clean from an evil conscience. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This is who us is. We are a people who once were evil. Let's just don't sugarcoat it. You and I were once wicked, evil sinners. We're no better than anybody else. It's a big thing. Right? It's a big thing to really admit that. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, when he's writing to the church and he's telling um, the believers in Ephesus that it's by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. This is what he's saying. And then he gets to verse 12 of Ephesians 2 and he says, don't forget you were once Gentiles in the flesh, removed from God, separated from God, but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Don't forget who you were, right? But you've been brought near by the mercy and blood of Jesus. This is super important because it keeps us humble and it keeps us reaching out to those who are hurting and broken in their sin and wickedness. If we ever get to the point where we start thinking we're better, then we start separating ourselves in a really unhealthy way from a world that needs Christ. We're no better. The Bible says 
we've been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. We were evil to the core, but the gospel and goodness of Jesus has done its work. Amen? And we've been saved. Like, we've been transformed by Christ. That's nothing for you to brag about. It's something for you to point your praise to Him about. Okay. So who is us? Well, we are those who've been made clean from an evil conscience. We are those who hold firmly to the confession of hope in the gospel of Jesus. Look at the, the next verse. Verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I've been having some really meaningful conversations at McDonald's <laughs> lately. And yesterday, Erin and I were sitting there talking and she was just asking all the questions that you ask, you know, when you've lost a loved one. And, you know, she was just saying, how can we know that we know that we know Where Philip is, you know, she's just wrestling through those questions. And I got to remind her that our hope and our confidence is not in who we are and how we live. Our hope and our confidence and our assurance rests in the man Christ Jesus. The full assurance of hope and our confidence for eternity is not in your ability to live up. It's in his ability. He did live up. He measured up and then he died in your place. It's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did all that was necessary. The perfect one died for us sinners, rose from the dead and offers salvation as a free gift to anyone who will believe. If you have come to trust in Christ, you don't have to have it all together. You just have to trust that he does. So we are those who are we? Who is this is us? We are those who hold firmly to the confession of our hope in the gospel of Jesus. This is one of the tenets of Mountain View. So the kind of people we want to be is a people who rest in hope. We don't work for our hope. We don't feel better about it if we've had a good day with Jesus or or feel bad about it if we've had a bad day with Jesus. You know, if I forgot to read my Bible or if I didn't pray or what. Forget all that. My hope and your hope is in Christ alone. Christ alone. Rest in him. Who are we? We are those who gather together and encourage one another. Look at the scripture. Let us. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this is us. We are uh, blood bought sinners who have been welcomed into God's family by mercy, not by your merit, who have a hope and a confidence that's in Christ alone that we struggle with, you know, every day and in deep and hard moments. But we're people who gather together to constantly stir up that hope and to constantly point each other back to the goodness of the gospel of Jesus. It's 
why we gather. It's why we keep a, a laser focus on Christ. We want to lift up Christ. We know that that's that's the ticket is lifting up Jesus. This is us. We are a people who are now brothers and sisters because of Christ. He's cleansed us and we hold tightly to our hope in him. Knowing I love this expression that he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. This is us. Now, even with all that, we cannot just check the box and move on. Just welcomed into the body of Christ is not where it stops. You don't just go, okay, well, I got my name on the list. Check. Let me move on with life. The, the scripture that Ryan read for us this morning is from Acts chapter 2. And what we see from the very beginning as Jesus is building his church, he's shaping us into a family. He's pulling people together in each other's homes and they're breaking bread together and they're fasting together and they're praying together and they're doing life together. It's this kind of family togetherness where they know each other's junk and they're all up in each other's business and they love one another. It's real. It's genuine. That's the way it started. And in many cases, that's not the way it is today. But what we want to do is be that kind of church, a New Testament church of people who genuinely care and love one another like brothers and sisters. So let's look at the text of our focus today. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up. I just want to provoke your mind with these words. The writer says, consider how to stir up one another. Listen, he's not just talking to me, a pastor in this church. Hey, pastor, you know, you got some people. You're going to have to really think about how to shepherd them. I hope you see that this is an all inclusive, like every one of us are in on this deal. The exhortation is to the whole family, brothers and sisters Consider how to stir up one another. Here's the exhortation. The the imperative, if you will, is to be creative. You be creative. You think about other people around you. Be observant. Be aware of their hardships and difficulties. Listen to the Holy Spirit and and discern. Is this person, you know, do they need a, a lift or? Are they struggling? Are they are they excited and happy? They, they've got a kid that graduated. I, I need to celebrate. How can I stir up the goodness of the gospel of Jesus into this person? How can I be a part of blessing them? This is the exhortation to the church, the family. This is us. The people is to consider how to stir one another up. There's personal engagement here. You say this and move on. You're not here to be entertained. This is not a show. The band's not putting on a concert. I'm not giving a TED talk. This is not an entertainment session. Don't come here as a consumer. The scripture says, consider how to stir one another up. That's you. He's talking to you, brother. You, sister. Who is it on your radar that you need to be touching and blessing and serving and loving and building, stirring up gospel life into? He's saying you need to be looking for who you can minister to, who you can touch. When you read the New Testament, 
you, you just don't see this like clergy and people division that we live with today. You just don't see it. The people of God are empowered with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? He's in you for a reason. You have a mission every time you gather with God's people. To give yourself away. To give Christ away. To love people genuinely. You have that mission. It's not just on the elders and pastors of the church. Certainly that's our role. But it's not just us. Is it time for lunch already? (laughs) I wonder what would church be like if every person came with the aim of blessing someone else? How beautiful would the family of God be if every one of us came looking for who that could be a blessing to? How beautiful would it be? He says, be consider how to stir up. Let me just mention something here. Um, we need to be stirred. Did you know that? Like um, our, our default is to grow stagnant like a pond or like that. Um, the, the 10 gallon aquarium I had as a kid that when the little filter thing died, it just all went green on me. That's your default setting. And if you get isolated and off by yourself, you're just a big blob of algae waiting to happen. You need to be stirred up. I need to be stirred up. We need each other for that reason. So consider how to stir up one another. I want you to think, I'm I'm just picking, nitpicking words here, right? We're just looking at the words of the Bible. Consider how to stir up one another. The, The implication here is it may not be easy. People may not want to be stirred up with the gospel. You may try to stir them and you find out that didn't work. They didn't stir very easily. Don't give up. Try something else. The scripture is encouraging creativity. I mean, I can tell you, you know, honestly, what it's like to preach to people who didn't want to be stirred by the message. It's tough. You guys are great. But if you've never tried to really, really touch into somebody's life and and get a stiff arm, oh, that day's coming. But the scripture says, consider how to stir them up. Consider how Uh, be creative and continue. Keep keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. There's a commitment to one another here. This is the reason why we really believe in covenant membership is because one of many reasons is because. We need to have this commitment to each other where when, when, when you need me, I'm there. I'm, I've committed. I've already told you up front. We're in this thing together. I mean, who are you? Think, ask this question to yourself. Who are you regularly trying to stir up with the gospel? Who, who is it that you're, you're stirring up intentionally? Consider how to stir up, and then these words, one another. Did you know in the New Testament, talking to the church, there's over 60 one another commands for how we're to live and do life together? Did you know that? One another, over 60 times in the New Testament, it says, love one another, serve one another, give to one another. 
Bear one another's burdens and on and on and on. 60 different ways that we're to do life together as the one another people. The truth is each of us has something to give, something to offer to this fellowship. And the aim of gathering together is to give ourselves to each other. Jesus said these words. It's more blessed to what? Give than to what? Yes. Now, it's good to receive. He didn't say it's not good. It's good. Um, Our family's going through a little something right now. And just this morning, a sweet sister brought us coffee and donuts and took a bag for me. What a blessing to have family. It's beautiful to receive. But Jesus says it's more blessed. It's better to give. We're to do life together as the one another people of God. It's not just about money. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about your life, which I don't know. Sometimes for a lot of folks, it's easier just to write a check and forget about it. And what I'm saying is that's not what we're called to. We're called to the one anothering in life. It's not just paying for somebody's this or that. That's good. It's a blessing. But it's the togetherness that the New Testament emphasizes. Each of us should take some ownership of of the well-being of the family. I've, I've already commended you, but I just can't seem to say enough about how you have loved. And I know you will continue to love Aaron and the girls. Um, thank you for that. That's. That's a beautiful display of who Jesus is. He did say that the world will know us by how we love, right? So he says how to consider how to stir up one another. And then this this phrase to love and good deeds or good works to love and good works. I don't I don't want to be uh, elementary here, but let's just define love and good works. Love is not warm, fuzzy, mushy roses and, and soft feelings. Let me give you a great definition for love. And if you're a parent, you'll understand this. Love is pursuing the highest good of another. That's not always an easy path, right? Moms and dads, grandparents. Love is pursuing the highest good for someone else. That's what love is. And what does he mean by good deeds? Well, good deeds are others focused action. It's when you do something for someone else that's motivated by love. So as we stir up one another, we're stirring up each other and pulling each other into this whole family thing of stirring more up toward love and good deed. Essentially, we're constantly pushing each other to think outwardly, to not be so selfish. I don't know about you, but that's my default. I wake up selfish. Anybody? I wake up that way thinking about me, 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 me. And I need Jesus to change me every morning. His mercies are new, praise God. So how do we do all this? And this is where it gets really particular. Here's how. The author of Hebrews obviously sees our being and meeting rhythmically together as an essential piece to this puzzle. 
He's telling us we cannot stir each other up toward love and good deeds. We cannot love each other well as brothers and sisters in Christ if we don't regularly meet together. So he says, do not neglect to meet together. Meet together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, this is a command that's given to us in a double negative format. Do not neglect to meet together. And then it's tagged with a warning from reality, as some are in the habit of doing. So the, the writer here is saying, listen, you, you, you don't know the impact that you have when you're together. You just don't know. it. You don't know what it means to somebody that you're just with them, that you're there, that you're with them. But some of us, he says, have neglected this. We've. We're in the habit of not meeting together. Obviously, it's easy to break the pattern of being with the church. What I don't want you to walk away with today is, well, that pastor says we got to go to church every Sunday. I don't want you to hear this legalistic message from me. Our gathering is not because we want to check a box on some law, some rule. We come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and meet in each other's homes in life group settings. Why do we do that? Why? It's, it's, not, it's not to salve our conscience that we've checked some box of obedience. It's because of love. We want to love each other genuinely and really, like really. We can't do that if we're not together. The writer here, after telling us all these things of how to love each other in the one another's of life, he says, do not neglect meeting together. Like you've got to be together. So hear this. Be present with people, with people. I think this scripture is really, you know, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible talking about your witness. But this text is talking about your withness. It's, it's are you really with the people that you're with? In a digital age, you know this as well as I do. There's a way of being in the room and still not being with people. My wife and I gently rebuke each other. <laughs> um, sometimes not so gently. <laughs> but... There's many a times we'll say something and look over and the other person's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, can you put that away and like be here? Be with one another. Be with one another. I've never heard anyone, anyone ever say, I wish I had fewer true friends. I've never heard anybody say that. I want you to consider the withness of Jesus as we finish this morning. When God looked and saw sinners that needed to be saved, he didn't send a, a, a direct message. He didn't private message us. He didn't 
put together a TikTok video with the angels. He didn't uh, text with all kinds of great emojis. He didn't do any of that. He came to be with us. Jesus' name, when he was born, they called him, what, Emmanuel? What does that name mean? God with us. Jesus knew the importance of presence, of being with people. This week, I've had the privilege of being with first-time parents of a newborn baby and with a wife and mother who have lost a husband, a father, and with many others. But it's an honor to be with people in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to us. I want you to consider his promise. He said in Matthew 18, um, where two or more are gathered, I will be with them. I will be among them. That's a powerful, powerful promise. He promises his legitimate presence when we gather in his name. How incredible is that? We're gathered in the name of Jesus right now. So what do we know is true? He's here. Hebrews 10 says that when we gather this way, when we come together, when we meet together, the purpose is to encourage one another. It's to instill courage, instill courage in others. And then he adds this tagline, all the more as you see the day drawing near. This this is a sermon in and of itself, and I'll just be brief. The day of Christ's return is near. Is near. And our gathering in the gospel and our scattering with the gospel is even more urgent today. If you've never been sincere about the people of God, there's no greater time than right now. We have an enemy who is not resting. He is on the prowl, on the attack, and he's trying his best to lure away anyone from trusting in and hoping in the confidence of Jesus. We, we didn't keep reading, but if you kept going, you would, you would see um, the warning to this same group of people. The warning is if you go on sinning, beware. It's a warning. We need each other to hold each other together, to hold each other in the confidence of the gospel, to hold each other in full assurance and faith in Jesus Christ. We need one another. And if we neglect to meet together, we cannot truly be known. We cannot truly um, be encouraged. We cannot truly endure. There's so many things that hinge on whether or not we just show up for each other. So as simple as it sounds, the exhortation from the word this morning, there's so many implications of it, but it's this. Just show up for people. Love them with the heart of Christ, but be there. Be here. In the name of Jesus. I want to conclude with with this thought. Um, Jesus came for us. 
He came to save sinners. And if you're in the house and you've yet to trust in Christ, um, we love you. And we were right where you are. And we want you to turn and trust in Jesus. There's no hope for you in this world apart from Christ. But in Jesus, there's all the hope you could ever need. He is our hope in the dark. He's an anchor in the rough seas. And we as people are constantly gathering and and stirring each other up to continue trusting in a wonderful Savior. If you've never met Him, we want to introduce you today, okay?